One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the New Statesman podcast. Excuse us for being a little bit rough and ready. We've recorded this in a hurry mere hours after Theresa May's Downing Street speech. We're going to talk about a couple of things, what it means in terms of boundary changes, what it means for UKIP, what it means for the Lib Dems, and of course what it means for Labour. It's the emergency podcast. Yes, if you've been living under a rock, Theresa May came out to the steps of Downing Street this morning and announced that there would be a general election on June 8th. She's calling a Commons vote on Wednesday in order to get that passed because of the Fixed Term Parliaments Act, which it turns out was basically just a lie, Stephen. Well, yeah, because I mean, in in practice, it it was always going to be very hard for the opposition to vote against a government going, we'd like an election now, right? It's a Yeah, we've actually got things on. We're washing yeah. our hair. We don't really think we're ready to be in a government it, yet. It's an appalling look. Um, yeah, it also adds to the, the awfulness of the Fixed-Term Parliaments Act, not least because it's too long to be a boring chartist for a moment, right? There's no time to be a boring no, chartist. We've yeah, got sorry, things to... elections. I know, elections. I know four years would have been much better and five years was too long. Let's do it because there's so many things to talk about. Okay, number one, the polls are currently, I think, the YouGov poll on Sunday was Tories 44, Labour 23. Yeah. So epic poll lead for the Tories. If that were to hold in a general election campaign, which I kind of don't see there is any reason for it not to, given that UKIP are on 10, and I think that some of that might be soft. I mean, I think it will get worse. Where does that leave you? with? How many, how many, what kind of majority do the Tories get on? 114. It's pretty, pretty chunky. It's pretty large. I think that will get worse. My Because, well... My, my assumption is two things will happen in an election campaign. You know, two possible things can happen to Labour, right? One, Jeremy Corbyn, who's actually a lot better at televised debates than he is at the house, in the House. You watch his stuff from the first campaign when he made the other three look distinctly ordinary. Uh, and then think about how good Yvette is in the House versus how poor she was against Corbyn. Think how how you know how much he he sort of he did actually best Owen Smith. Quite a lot of times he's very good in that kind of question time, say something he believes very firmly format. So he could have a Jean Luc Mélenchon style transformation of his ratings. Equally, Farron could have a transformation of his ratings in the TV debates. The one fit politician who I do not see enjoying them, and I can imagine also finding an excuse for them not to happen, is Theresa May, because she but doesn't also, think and on Paul, her feet. And Paul Nuttall, right? So yeah. you keep her at, on, at 10, but let's be honest, Paul Nuttall is, has got serious problems as a leader. There is a serious question mark over what you keep her for now anyway, and they haven't really had a chance to rebrand themselves as a po- and they're whatever their post-Brexit incarnation is. Nigel Farage has turned into some weird shock jock, so he's kind of 
you know, out and on a limb, and they've lost their only MP. Let us have, shall we, a moment of sadness for the fact that it's going to be very hard for Douglas Carswell to win as an independent oh, as a I'm, conservative I'm in, candidate I'm in, bits in Clacton. Over that. What a shame. Um, but the other thing which could happen, assuming Jeremy Corbyn does not have a good TV debate, is his the number of people who think he should be the next Prime Minister, 14%, and the number of people saying they'll vote Labour, about 24 to 26%, will meet in the middle. Right, There will be some people who will become more fond of Jeremy because he is leader of the Labour Party. There will be some people who will go off Labour because they're like, oh, aren't they led by Corbyn? Which is exactly what happened with Labour, even allowing for the fact the polls were wrong. Those two figures started to meet, which is why you had Miller fandom and people going, oh, Ed's ratings are, are climbing. Which means I would expect a Labour vote share of about 19%. Yeah, you do have a weird... Because the sort of... Uh, like, nature abhors a vacuum. The press abhors a straightforward storyline. So you do have a kind of, he's terrible, he's terrible, he's terrible. Maybe he's great. No, he's terrible. No, he's terrible. Kind of, it can't, the kind of narrative kind of always constantly, someone will be trying to push against it. Um, A couple of different things that struck me. One is that, I think as you've written in your blog, this is Nicola Sturgeon's birthday present, uh, or early, late Easter present, early Christmas present. Um, Having told the Scots, no, you can't have a referendum because it would cause well loads of instability, to then go, yeah, but I want to have uh, a vote, so I'm allowed to have one. I know that there are technical differences between a constitutional referendum and a, a, a general election. Nonetheless, I think that is a big gift wrapped opportunity for Nicola Sturgeon to say the Tories will let people have a vote when they want one but we're not allowed one about the future of our country yeah the other thing is also to continue this theme I have about article 50 and how it was silly to trigger it in March right there's now going to be about a three-month period in which it was going to be very hard to get agreement on anything because Germany and France were in election mode now it's going to be next to impossible because Britain will be in election mode. All of which sums up why it was just mad to j- just wait until December of 2017. Just wait until Angela Merkel, as it looks likely, has won re-election. And then you're like, right, now I'm going to trigger art, art, triggle. Triggle, art, triggle. That's so adorable. Yeah, I think that's the reason for it. I think the big question for me that comes out of this is, like, you and I have been, I know not that anyone listens to us, obviously, but been saying well, the obvious thing to do when you've got a working majority of 16 and really difficult legislation to get through, you like grammar schools that you kind of can't cobble together a majority for in the House, certainly you would have trouble in the Lords or some of the stuff that's going to come up through Brexit. Like, the obvious thing to everybody in the whole of the Westminster Village was, well, you call an election, you get your own mandate and a healthy majority most likely to boot. Why then, this is the this is the fascinating psychological question, did Theresa May make such a thing of not calling an election? Like, she was definitely not going to call one, I'm not going to call one. I mean, so... I don't know, because to be honest, one of the things then, you know, in terms of kind of the importance of auditing your wrong calls, this does fundamentally upend some of my readings of, it confirms some of them, so it confirms she's not cautious, but it, I, I can't quite square think, this with my understanding of her as a But her stubbornness, her stubborn attachment to things which it would be better to ditch, I think is gets read as caution, right? Yeah. So you go, well, obviously you should do this, why are you still doing this? Because it's the thing you used to be doing. That's... That's what people read as caution, I think. It's like holding on to ideas long after, actually... You know, where Cameron would have just breezily jettisoned them, right? So this is... I think this is different to her. This is a different thing for her, because I could have equally well seen her going on until 2020 just because she'd said she had to, even if it was been much easier for her not to. But, yeah, I think my my understanding is that... There's been a lot of frustration in Downing Street because they can't get anything done, right? You know, they, they couldn't get national insurance, a small and fairly 
progressive and non-controversial. Right, you know, the number of people who actually opposed it in the country, in well, yeah, it was a popular move, and they couldn't they couldn't do that. Grammar schools, they can't do that. There's no majority to be found for it. Workers on board, she can't do that. She basically retreats from everything, um, and she's inherited a bunch of promises from Cameron Osborne that were designed to be negotiated away with the Liberal Democrats. The the 2015 Conservative Manifesto is not a reality worthy document. It's not a majority it's a, manifesto, it, 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 it is, is it? Yeah, it's not seaworthy. It is a it is a negotiating bid, right? It literally is like, you know that. she's even going to bother yeah. having a manifesto? But I mean, I think there is a kind of thing about... Uh, do you think a manifesto is going to say any, anything more than, I'm not Jeremy Corbyn, lads? Yeah, she will have a manifesto because she'll. Have, oh, yes, I love grammar schools. Yeah, but so she'll she'll have grammar. She'll have her because one of the things I find fascinating about her is she is far and away the most, if you can be a small T Tory Tory Prime Minister we've we've ever had, right? So this weird ragtag of like, oh, I think people should be rewarded, but actually my dad's firm always paid above the minimum wage. That kind of like nebulousness you get from a lot of Tory activists you meet, but. You, I but mostly Tory big... MPs tend to have more rigour. Yeah, but I also think that's a, a, a big consensus position in the country, right? Like, yeah, yeah, no, it is. Like, it's, it's oh, I like Britain being a Christian country, but I don't actually want to go to church myself, right? That kind of level of, of sort of belief. Like, I don't want to think of myself as a bad person who hates orphans, but equally well, we do need to make sure well, that, that we spend money wisely. Well, that was the fascinating thing about her Easter message, right, is that Jeremy, who my strong understanding uh, is, you know, is, is a godder quietly... Gave one. Well, he talked about Jesus and redemption and the need to actually do things at Easter. Tim Farron, ditto again, publicly like a Christian, the talked about and, yeah, talked about faith, the need to do things. She was like Easter, our values, and it's just like wow, this is for someone who honks on about how she was raised in church. This is so undemanding, unprocessed. It's basically going. You know, all all you need to do to be a lovely person is just to be born British, right? That's, I bet she doesn't even have a favourite synoptic gospel. Yeah, bro, does she even lift? No, I don't think she does. But Matthew, yeah, anyway, Matthew, election. Obviously. The other the other uh, important factor in all of this is what it means for the struggle for control within the Labour Party. <laughs> because everything does. Well, first of all, I think the thing to say is this is going to be an election for on the old boundaries, right? So lots of people who had been thinking, ooh, 2020, that's going to look a bit grim. Maybe I'll sit, you know, stand down. Maybe not. I'm yeah. really interested to hear what some of those grandees, who my strong understanding was that they were exiting in 2020, whether or not they fight again. I my my feeling is that of your well, kind of Harmon tendency probably Harriet will has said s- that she is standing again, yeah. Because actually, there's going to be only what 12 people left in the Labour Party after the next election. So I can imagine if you're a moderate, you're quite keen to be one of them. The well, the other reason is that in 20 when when Labour thought there was going to be a snap election, they approved. Um, fairly far-reaching powers for the NEC, which means if you're the sitting MP and you want to stand, you don't need to go through a trigger ballot. I love how non-committed Labour is to internal democracy. There's just something really engaging about it. It's just like, it's kind of like a toddler, but you know that way I didn't eat the cake? That's what Labour is like about, you know, democratic process. They're like, yeah, we don't need that. Um, So so basically, if if you've been a candidate in 2015 and you want to run again, you don't need to go through a selection. Oh, right, even if you didn't win? Even if you didn't win. (gasps) Oh! So the only that is not pl- a great news if you're a Corbynite candidate the only, trying to get selected. The only places where there will be selections will probably be, um, oh God, which is the Coventry seat and Jeffrey, our former proprietor, represents? Yeah, it's one of, let's, let's just call it one of the Coventry seats. One of the seats. Coventry seats, right, yeah. So Jeffrey is 86 um, and doesn't look a day over 60. Um, and he will, he, I assume, will not stand. 
um, seeing as he's talked about it for, someone else may need to be found for that seat. Uh, but in, in unless it's unless it's that you know, Mark but what I, we're not going to see is what we might have seen in twenty twenty, which is a big remaking of the parliamentary party in favour of people who support Jeremy Corbyn. Right? I don't think that because, as you say, the twenty fifteeners will kind of come back round again. Lots of people who might have stood down will instead stay just one more waffer thin election. Um, so that's going to be that is going to have a. I mean, I'm I'm going out on a limb here and saying that I'm going to assume that Corbyn won't win the election. It would be an enormous uh, overturning in the polls and everything we know about. I mean, last in the last election, people would say, "Oh, well, you know, Ed Miliband's you know, neck and neck in the polls." But actually, the more, most useful measures were looking at pe- the percentage of people who said he's the best leader, right, and the percentage of people who said I trust Labour on the economy. Both of which were a lot softer than um, the headline polling figures for Labour would suggest. Those drilling down figures are now epically bad. Yeah. Um. There is, however, a fairly major caveat. Um, I, I, I agree. I don't think Labour will win the election. But people, although actually people kind of, when you ask them, like, oh, yeah, probably she should have an election, people don't like snap elections, right? Most people, obviously, I love elections, and I have been bounding around the office literally like Tigger. But um, people don't like elections on the whole. They don't, they particularly don't like when they've, Given well, Julia was saying this about Scotland, and I thought, you know, Scotland has, from 2015 onwards, Scotland has been on a relentless election treadmill. And actually, England and, and other bits that are voting in the local elections on the 4th of May, they'll come straight out of local elections on 4th of May to go like, yeah, you thought you got out of this one, come back in, yeah. we've got another election. There are a couple of things to watch out for in terms of people not like... So one, most people, not just people in the West, but when you poll, most people think Labour will lose the next election. So if you like your Labour MP and you don't like Corbyn, you, you kind of have a free do, cause, cause in some ways keeping the, them in without worrying about getting the Corbyn thing in. The Lib Dems will often say about Ed is he was ex- the nightmare for them, right? Because he was left-wing enough to scare Tories who would usually vote um, for them into not voting for the Lib Dems because everyone kind of suspects given a free choice the Lib Dem preference is always for Labour. But he was not plausible, but he was not implausible enough for them to go, no, don't worry, he's not going to win. So you can easily see how, you know, maybe maybe turnout drops. They don't make as many gains into into Labour seats with majorities of three, 4,000 as they expect. There will be a Liberal revival, particularly because basically every percentage point you lower turnout by, the electorate becomes more remainy. Because other than the young, if you have a degree, you vote. If you, you know, all, all of the controls for being angry about Remain, you vote in every election. You know, you vote for freaking police and crime commissioners that is how into voting you are um so i mean there is the hilarious possibility that she'll come out of this with a majority of like 50 uh, your definition of hilarious and mine might be slightly different but i take your point which is that people will say this is so obviously a dead cert for her that you know what even is the point yeah. um and that whereas yeah like and, and, and we saw that definitely the whole idea of an, a labor smp coalition at the last election really motivated people to vote tory right they, they really did think that was something that was likely to happen and they really didn't want to happen in seats like worcester where I, yeah there I'm was from. a fear in a large chunk of, a, a large chunk of england yeah, English nationalism was a really powerful force in the last election. Obviously, you can see her trying to whip that up with, oh, these these enemies who are trying to block Brexit. 
Well, that was the interesting um, thing about her speech this morning was that it was kind of... I mean, bless her, she had a sticky wicket to bat from, which was kind of like, I know that I said there'd be no election, but I've been to Synodonia and the beauty of the lakes there has convinced me that we need an early election. So she had to kind of come up with some, confect some kind of idea. So it was this idea that they've said, we have unity in the country, have we? Because I haven't noticed a sharp decrease in people arguing the toss in the last couple of months. But we don't have unity in Westminster. It's like, again... When do you ever have unity in Westminster? Have you, bro, like, do you even understand the concept of majoritarian government? But also, actually, on Brexit, Brexit is the one issue where she is getting her way. She has a huge majority, thanks, you know, to the fact that Labour is led by a Eurosceptic. Most of its, uh, well, not most, but about half of its backbenchers are terrified that if they say anything that even sounds like being nice about an immigrant, UKIP will eat them. Um, So between those two forces... She has a massive majority on Brexit issues. The th- she just doesn't have unanimity, but it's like, if that's what you're waiting for, then I, you know, but you're going to need to a, usher in North it's Korea. She, it's because obviously she can't go out in front of the cameras and go and hold up a sign going, please rescue me from my own party. <laughs> Anna Subri hates me. There I don't some, know what to do. There's some weird people with nasal hair and opinions about the empire, and I'm scared. <laughs> Cameron, will you come back? One you retweet equals one downgrade for Peter Bowen. Yeah, you can't do that, so she has to blame someone else, but so she's going to go down this. And so that's the other thing. I think this will be quite an ugly election. I think this is going to be a really um, repulsive election and I think it's going to be particularly difficult for Labour because um, the, in the same way that Scotland split and now is is those, um, Julia's just come back from reporting in Scotland was saying a lot of people do now see it during this binary of SNP versus the Tories and slash unionists. So I think Tim Montgomery tweeted, you know, Theresa May is going to fight this on Brexit. Lib Dem is going to fight this on Brexit. Why do you vote Labour? They're going to try and have, presumably, an austerity-based kind of critique, because that's um, public services. And that's actually just... the other reason for holding an election now, which has literally just occurred as we're... Speaking. Which is before the NHS falls over. Before the NHS falls over, but also food is getting more expensive. So, obviously, it's top of mind, because, you know, I, uh, I, um, I was on weekend duty, but I decided to go home and see my mum, because that way I could do weekend duty, but also be fed. Um, and, you know, obviously, my mum doesn't earn anywhere near as much as I do. Um, you know, she's on a stipend, etc., etc. And, and she kind of said, said, well, you know, the, 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 weekly, the weekly shop is getting more expensive. So Labour's hope with their Brexit problem is at the moment, their two halves of their coalition are going, I'm, I feel very strongly about the referendum and immigration and all of the issues which extend from that. But their hope is what happens is, is in a year's time, all of their coalition will go... These people can't be trusted to These run public services. These people can't be trusted. You know, I had to wait eight hours at the at the doctors, and my and my bread is is gone up in price. In terms of the cycle, it definitely puts Theresa May in a much better place. So she has the election now, when Brexit is still, you know, a giant yawning chasm of possibility and excitement, and then she shifts. Presumably, she doesn't have to repeal the fixed term Parliaments Act necessarily. The next election to twenty twenty two is the expectation. Um, at which point, you'd hope that not only will all the you know, it will all have been concluded one way or another, but you've given a kind of year for everything to kind of shake out and settle down. I think, you know, people I was talking to last week were very surprised that the plan had been to get all of this nasty, you know, the two-year deadline would run out in 2019 and then you'd have an election probably, you know, sort of nine, 12 months after that. Anyway, Stephen, that's probably enough, isn't it? Yeah. I think... um, We've got loads to talk about, but there'll be it, it's not it's literally not going away uh, until June the eighth. Uh, thanks very much for listening. 
You've been listening to the New Statesman podcast with me, Stephen Bush, and my colleague, Helen Lewis, produced and mixed by India Burke. Follow us on Facebook. Say hi on Twitter.